Okay, I need you to think back. Think back to when you were a student. And maybe you're a student right now. So you're like, hey, that's easy. But think back. You're a student. Did you like taking tests? No, of course you didn't, right? Tests made you nervous. They made you anxious. I mean, you remember walking into a classroom being totally unprepared for a test, right? The feeling that that is like in your gut. You can remember in middle school or high school some teacher that just gave the worst tests or some class that your whole grade was dependent on a midterm and a final. Tests are like terrifying, right? We don't even like the word test. Even the word test does something in us. Have you had a COVID test? Or shall I say, has anyone scratched your brain with a Q-tip lately? Because I think that's pretty much what that is, right? They kind of Dremel tool your sinuses, that's fun. We don't like any of the tests that we have throughout life. When you were a teenager, you had to do a driving test, right? On my driving test, I'm, I'm going along and a kid fell off his bike right in front of my car. And so, of course, I slam on the brakes and the dude that was giving me the, the test, you know, he docked me points because I didn't look in my rear view mirror before I slammed on my brakes in case there was a car there. Because if there was, I guess I was just supposed to gun it and plow the kid. I don't know. I'm still mad about that. It's been a while, but it bugs me. What other kind of tests do you take? If you're a, a tradesman, you're some sort of craftsman, you probably take a test, right? You got to get certified and your job depends on it. If you're a truck driver, you got to take a driving test. If you're a, an accountant, take the CPA exam. If you're a lawyer, you got to pass the bar. We have all these tests throughout our life. It seems like tests never end. And maybe the most serious tests, the ones that give us the most angst, they're not ones that we can study for. They're not about knowledge. They're medical tests. So you got to have a blood test. you got to have an MRI. you got to have a CT. These tests make us nervous, right? All these tests. What I love about the Bible is that the Bible is really honest. The Bible doesn't sugarcoat anything. And what the Bible says is that throughout your life, the tests are never going to end. You're going to continue to be tested, but it's not the kind of test you can study for. It's not about your knowledge, but throughout life, God is going to test your faith. And it might seem like, like any test, it might seem like you should be anxious about it. It might seem like you should be really nervous. But the Bible goes, no, don't worry about it. You don't need to study for it. This test of your faith isn't because God is being mean or because he wants to trick you or anything. But God's going to test you. And the Bible says it's actually for your own good. So today we're going to talk about tests. We're going to talk about tests of our faith. And we're going to talk about two things in particular. One, I want to just talk about why does God test our faith? Like, why would he do that? And the second thing I want to talk about is what are some of the ways that God might test your faith? So let's talk about tests. If you've got a Bible with you, get it out, turn it on, go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 is where we are. And we're in this sermon series and we've gone back, we're looking at the creation story, right? And we're looking at how God made us. What was God's design? What was God's purpose? See, I think that sometimes you gotta go back to the beginning. When things get confusing, fair to say 2020's been a little confusing, right? A little wonky of a year. When things get like that, it's helpful to go back to the beginning and go, what did God intend? What did God 
design. And the cool thing about Genesis 2 is that it all happens before sin enters the world. It all happens before there is brokenness, before there is shame. And so we can look at this story and in pure innocence, just purity, we can say this is what God intended. This is how God designed us. And so that's what we've been doing throughout this series. So here we are. We're in the Garden of Eden. It's this place where God designed us to be. He made it for us and he made us for the garden. And remember, God gets some dirt and with his own hands, he forms humanity. And then remember, the Bible says that God, he gave breath, he gave life to the first human being. And he puts us in the Garden of Eden. And it's beautiful. It's incredible. But the best part is that God is also there. So those first people are walking and talking with God. What I want to show you today about the Garden of Eden is that it was this incredible place. It was this beautiful place. It was a safe place for Adam and Eve. It was full of intimacy with God. But it is also a place of testing, even before sin, before brokenness, before shame is a part of the world, God is going to test Adam and Eve. And it's not because like he doesn't like them or he's trying to be mean to them or he's trying to trick them or anything like that. It's actually because, you ready for this? God wants to be even closer to them. God wants to grow them even more so he can have an even deeper relationship with them. Let me show you. Genesis chapter two, starting in verse 16, here's what it says. It says, The Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Now listen, let's stop there for a second. A couple weeks ago, or over the last couple weeks, Pastor Joe's been talking to us about the garden, what it was like, right? He said it was like an orchard. It's this big, beautiful place. We're not talking backyard with a couple of shrubs and trees, okay? It's big, in the middle of all that God has created, he clears some space and he plants this incredible garden. And he fills it with trees and plants and things the Bible says that are pleasing to the eye. It's, it's beautiful. And these four rivers flow through the garden. It's this big place. And you remember, God puts man there to do what? To work it. He puts man there to work the land, to take care of the garden. And he tells him here, he says, everything is yours. All of the garden, it belongs to you. It's all yours. I mean, think about the freedom of that. We focus on what God's about to say next, what God says Adam can't do. But just think about for a minute the freedom that God makes this beautiful garden. And he says, my son, Adam and Eve, my son, my daughter, it's all yours. Enjoy every bit of it. You're free to eat from any tree. It's all yours. There's just one thing. There's just one thing. Everything's yours. Just one thing. Verse 17, God says, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Just one tree. Everything else is yours. There's just this one tree. Please, please don't eat from this one tree. And why not? Is it because God's mean? Is it because that tree's got the good stuff and God's like, no, I'm, I'm holding out on you. I'm not going to give you the best that I have to offer. No, 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 not at all. God says, don't eat from the tree. Why? Because I don't want you to die. 
God actually in this moment is concerned with good things for his people. God wants good things for his people. And so he goes, don't, don't eat from me. Here's the garden. There's this huge row of, of massive avocado trees. And over here, there's an orchard of apples and there's mangoes and there's coconuts and there's like a strawberry patch over here and you can pluck some fruit. You can dip it in the, it's like the Tigris River is like one of them chocolate fountains or something. I don't know. It's awesome, okay? Like it's cool. It's the best of everything. And God goes, all of it's yours except, Adam, please, please, my son, don't eat from this one tree. That's it. The rest of it's yours. Just don't eat from this one tree. What's God doing? What's the point of all this? I would submit to you that this is the first test that man faces. This is the first test of faith that man will face. And when God tests Adam's faith in the garden, it's the same way he tests your faith and my faith today. And the tests are very simple. In fact, you, you, I'll give you the question ahead of time. The test only has one question on it. And every time God tests our faith, the question is simply this. God asks, do you trust me? That is the test of our faith, where God says, do you trust me? And that's what happens here. Will this man trust God? Will he listen to God? Will he believe that what God says is good and what he says is true and that everything is his to enjoy? There's just this one tree that belongs to God, but everything else is his. He's gonna stay away from that one tree. Will he be obedient to that and listen and trust God? Or will he go his own way? Will he chart his own course and say, no, no, I know better. This is the first test of faith that any human being faces. Now let's talk about the tree for a minute, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What does that mean? Well, truthfully, scholars don't really agree on what this tree is all about. Adam and Eve, if we read a little bit further, we get some more information. Adam and Eve, they don't pass the test, right? They don't pass this test of faith. They don't obey God. They don't listen to him. They eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when they do, their eyes are opened. Where before, everything was innocent. Everything was pure. What they saw was good. In a moment, they are transformed. And now there's an awareness of brokenness, an awareness of shame. And there is Sin, and I don't know exactly what happens, and I don't know exactly what's up with this tree. But there's something about this tree that God knows they can't handle. I mean, think about that for a second. Is it fair to say that there are things in life that you and I, we can't handle emotionally, spiritually? There's a lot of things, right, where we, we want the answers now. God, give me all the answers. Tell me where I'm going. But if God could really show us all that, we couldn't handle it. It would break us in an instant. If God you could show you where you're going to be a year or 10 or 20 or 30 years from now, if he just gave you a snapshot of that, you couldn't handle that. There's information that you and I can't handle, at least yet in our journey, right? So here, here's sort of an illustration of this. I have kids that are all bike riding age. So they love riding their bikes up and down our street. They ride them around our neighborhood. And we give them a certain amount of freedom. 
And so we have a 10-year-old and we give her a certain amount of freedom and we have an eight-year-old and we give her a certain amount of freedom and we have a five-year-old and his freedom's a little different. It's like, okay, buddy, you gotta stay in the driveway kind of in front of the house. Not because I'm a bad dad, I wanna keep him safe, right? I know that he's not ready to just go tearing off around the neighborhood. So we give them a little bit of freedom. But even for my 10-year-old, there is still limited freedom. It's like, okay, you can ride to your friend's house. You can go ahead and ride around the block. You can go around the neighborhood. But you can't ride on this one road. It's too busy. It's too dangerous. You can't handle it. You're not ready for it. So no matter how much she begs, no matter how much she thinks she's ready for it, mom and dad know better. We know that she's not ready to go on that road. I think that's what's happening here. In the Garden of Eden, God goes, listen, Adam, the whole garden is yours. I made it. It's incredible. You can have this awesome life here. You can enjoy all of it. You can ride your bike wherever you want. You can eat from any tree. You can swim in the rivers, hug a panda bear. I don't care what you do. It's awesome. Enjoy all of it. It's intended for you. But there's one tree. That one tree, you've got to walk past it. That tree is not for you. You can't handle what that tree holds. I mean, this isn't a story of God withholding. This is a story of God actually being so good that he's given us everything. And he goes, listen, there's just one thing. He's not holding something back. He's protecting. There's something about this tree. There's something about the knowledge of good and evil where God's like, you're not ready for that. I don't want you to have that. So please don't eat from that tree. And in this moment, there's like this historic pause. Time sort of stands still because man faces this test of faith. And it's the same test that you and I face all the time on a large scale and also maybe even every day we face this. Will you trust God? Will you believe that he is good and true and will you obey him? Or will you go your own way? But you go, no, I, I know better, and chart your own course. Just write this, if you would, just write this on the margin of your Bible. File this away. In some ways, if this is the only thing you hear today, I'm okay with that. Jot this down. This is about how God made us. Write down that you were made, I was made, to obey God. That is part of the design in Genesis 2. We were made to obey God. Now, you don't have to like it. You don't even have to agree with it. You can argue with him someday. But you and I, we were made to obey him. That's why in verse 16 it says God commanded the man. Not God suggested. Not God asked nicely. God commanded because God's in charge. God has authority. And at the design level, at your soul, at our heart level, the way that God made us, the way that we're wired, we're made to follow him. We're made to obey him. We're made to trust him. That's why Jesus says in John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. Trust me. Believe in what I say. Be obedient to me. Follow me. John writes in 1 John 5, he says, this is love, keeping the commandments of God. We're designed from the beginning, in Genesis, we are designed to be obedient and to follow God. And throughout our lives, what happens is God places these tests. 
He places these tests of faith, these opportunities that will reveal whether we're humble and we're following him, we're being obedient to him and we trust him, or whether we're stubborn and we're prideful. We're like children and we go, no, we're going our own way. We're doing our own thing. See, the rest of the story for Adam and Eve, you probably know the rest of the story. As I said, they, they eat fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And just like God said they would, they die. Not instantly, it's not drop dead, it's not like that. But in an instant, they spiritually die. Where once everything was good and pure and innocent and they walked and talked with God, now the presence of God is too much for them to handle. They hide from him because it's just too overwhelming. It's too powerful. They're aware of their sin and their shame. Eventually, they will also physically die, which was never meant to happen. That is not how God intended it. They didn't pass their test. God said, don't eat from the tree. The rest of it's yours. Don't eat from this one tree. Will you trust me? Will you just take my word for it? Why, God? It doesn't matter. Will you just trust me and take my word for it? Will you be obedient to me? And they looked at him and they said, no, they're stubborn and they went their own way. Question for you, has God ever tested your faith? Have you stood at that fork in the road? And over here, there's one path and, and you know it's the right path but you can't see where it leads. There's a, a quick corner. You can't see around it. And you know that it's the way God wants you to go, but it's scary, right? It feels treacherous. Over here, there's another path. You're not supposed to go that way. You know you're not supposed to go that way, but it's easy. You can see where it goes. It's clear. It's paved. It's flat. Have you stood there at that fork in the road? Probably many times. What did you do? Which way did you go? Did you, did you trust him? Or did you go your own way? I mean, I've stood in that space so many times. And sometimes I've said, yep, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to be obedient to what he says. And you know what? Other times I've said, nope, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to plot my own course. God, I know what you want from me, but I'm, I'm going to go this way. This is the way I want to go. What I want to do in the few minutes we have left, I want to look at this, these tests of our faith and the two things that I mentioned. Why? Why does God test our faith? Why can't God just tell us everything? God, just make it all clear. Skywriting would work, a billboard, whatever you got. Just tell us everything. Give us all the information. Why does he test us? And then second, it would be irresponsible if I didn't tell you some ways that your faith might be tested so that you can be prepared. So here we go. Let's talk about tests of faith. Write a few things down if you want. Why does God test us? First, God tests us to know our faith. He tests us so that he will know our faith. So think about a teacher. Why does a teacher give a test? Some of you are teachers. Why, why do you give tests? Now, there was always that teacher who gave a test and like took pride in failing everybody, okay? It, don't be that teacher. We don't like you. Stop, like, don't, that's no good. Most teachers give a test, why? To evaluate, to see how their students will respond. God gives us tests of faith 
Because he wants to know how we'll respond. It's not to trick us or, or, or trip us up. He wants to know how we will respond. So we see this in the Old Testament. There are these people. They're called the Israelites. God rescued them from slavery in Egypt, right? And he's taking them to this incredible place called the Promised Land. But it's a journey. It's going to take some time to get there. In fact, it takes 40 years to get there. But we sort of have hindsight. We can read back and listen to what's going on during those 40 years because God has a purpose for this test. Listen, Deuteronomy says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and, listen, test you in order that or so that in order to know what was in your heart, to know whether or not you would keep his commands. God wants to see what will happen when the pressure's on. He wants to know what you'll do when the next step requires trusting him, when the next step requires this faith and obedience. He wants to know it's easy to follow Jesus when life is rainbows and unicorns and everything's all perfect. But when you lose your job, will you trust God? Will you obey him still? When someone that you thought was a friend just unfairly, unjustly rips you to your other friends or on social media. Will you trust God? Will you still obey him? When your candidate loses the election, are you still gonna trust God? Will you still lean in? Will you still obey him? God drops these tests of faith into our life so that he can know our faith, so that he can see how we'll respond and even show us how we'll respond. He wants to know our faith. Now, the second reason that he does it builds on that. God gives us these tests so that he can grow our faith. It's to know our faith, but then it's also to grow our faith. So imagine for a second you're sitting at home and, I don't know, you're in the Barca lounger, you got the feet kicked up, you're just kind of relaxing, you got a six-pack of cold ones, you got a couple bags of Doritos, maybe some Krispy Kremes, you're just Netflixing all day long. It sounds pretty good, doesn't it? You're just doing that all day long, and then you go, man, how come my muscles aren't getting bigger? I thought I'd be jacked by now. Like, we'd be like, no. You're just sitting there doing nothing. If you want your muscles to grow, you have to go to the gym. You have to exercise them. You have to work them out. You have to test them. In the same way, your faith, if you just put it on the shelf, if your faith just remains idle, if it's not active, if it's not tested, it's not going to grow. Your faith has to be built up so that it can handle more and more. It has to be exercised. So this guy named James, he's the little brother of Jesus. I love this guy because when Jesus was on earth, James was like, dude, you're, you're nobody. The Messiah, give me a break. You're my brother. And then after Jesus, after his death and resurrection, James is like, oh, whoa, yeah, now I get it. And so he's this total skeptic. And I love this guy. Listen to what the skeptic James says about our faith being tested. In James 1, verse 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, 
whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. James says, if you want to be complete, what he means is if you want to be like Jesus, if you want to be fully the person that God designed you to be, if you want to be that person that God wants you to be. He says the only way it happens is by repeatedly standing at the fork in the road and choosing to follow God, choosing to trust God, choosing to be obedient to him. That is the exercise of your faith that will build that faith muscle. The only way your faith will grow is if it's tested. And James has this incredible way. He's so mature and he says, thank God that he tests our faith. I don't know if I'm ready to say that yet. Usually when my faith is being tested, I'm whining and complaining. But James says, thank God that our faith is tested because it's in that that our relationship can deepen with Jesus, that our faith can actually grow. Look back to the Garden of Eden. Do you see Do you see how God wants good things for his people? Do you see how even in testing them, he actually wants good things? But if you want to be that person that God designed you to be, you're going to have to stand at the fork in the road and you're going to have to choose to follow him. And it's not going to be easy because that path is winding and you can't see around the next corner and it seems a little treacherous but it's where God wants you to go and he's calling from down that path to you and he's calling and he's saying, will you trust me? Will you be obedient to me? Let's end like this. Let me just give you a couple of ways that you can be on the lookout for God testing your faith. If he does it to to know our faith and to grow our faith, let's talk about how he might do that. And then honestly, I just want to pray for you because some of you are right now, your faith is being tested. Let me give you a couple of things to watch out for that God might be testing your faith. First is that God uses waiting. I think God uses waiting to test our faith. So is, is COVID a test of our faith? I mean, I think, I think it is for all kinds of reasons and in different ways. For some, COVID is a test because you are sincerely concerned about getting sick. Do you hear God saying, do you trust me? Do you still believe that I am comforter and and, and healer and provider and protector? And it's a test for you. For others, you think that this thing is overblown. You think it's all gotten out of control and you just want to get back to normal. Do you hear God? Do you hear him saying, will you trust me that I'm still in control, that I still have authority? Will you trust me that I'm not surprised by any of this? Will you be obedient to me? Will you still love people that disagree with you about whether or not you should wear a mask or stay home or anything like that? Will you trust me? I think God uses waiting to test us. For some, you're unemployed. You're waiting to get a job or you're underemployed. You hate the job that you have and you're waiting for the next one to come along. Do you hear God? Do you hear him saying, will you trust me? 
Will you just keep leaning in and be obedient to me? For some of you, you're lonely. You thought you'd have companionship by now. You thought you'd have started a family by now, that you'd be in a relationship by now. And you're, you're wondering, what's going on? Do you hear God saying, will you trust me? Will you be obedient to me? Waiting is not fun. But there are some things in this life that we are not ready for, that God knows we can't handle. And so in his incredible provision and protection, God says, wait, trust me, lean in, keep being obedient to me. I think God uses waiting to test our faith. I think God also uses change to test our faith. I'm not gonna spend a bunch of time here, but just to say that change is often a test of our faith because when something changes, we get uncomfortable. It gets shaky underneath us. The things that we thought we could hold on to, maybe we lose that. Our faith starts to get a little bit shaky. But remember this, if nothing ever changes, then nothing ever changes. You want your faith to grow. You want your relationship with Jesus to be better. You want life to improve and and, and things to make more sense. But the only way for things to change is if, for something change, if, if something changes. And so God will use change to test us, to bring to the surface in us what still needs to grow. Be aware, be on the lookout how God might test your faith through change so that you can say, yes, God, it's uncomfortable, but I still trust you. I'm still gonna be obedient to you. Finally, I think God uses impossible situations to test our faith. And I think there's a hundred ways God might test our faith, but I think impossible situations test our faith. When I think of impossible situations right now, I think of what's going on in our country, the polarization of our country. And please don't send me emails. This isn't political. Don't tell me whose fault it is. Our country is divided and there is hatred being tossed back and forth. And I look at that and honestly, the thought of redemption and reconciliation and restoration, I go, that's a joke. I don't ever see that happening. It's a test of my faith to say, God, will you fix this? God, do I even believe that you can fix this? Will I trust you and be obedient to you? But you know, when I read the Bible, I see so many situations that seem impossible. A guy named Abraham, God tells him to leave home, leave his family. No one had ever done that at that time in the world. That's impossible. He tells Noah to build a boat in the desert. You kidding me? Impossible. He tells a young man, a boy named David, to kill a giant. What? It had to be impossible. They watched Jesus die on a cross. They buried his body in a tomb that he would beat death and establish his kingdom. Impossible. Yet those impossible situations served as a test for faith. And for the people around those scenarios, the people living out those situations, it was a chance for their faith to grow and for their faith to shine and for people around them to see the goodness of God. Maybe today you're not facing any tests of your faith. Okay, maybe this doesn't resonate with you. Thank God you probably will someday. My hope is that this conversation is just an encouragement for you when that comes. But for some of you right now, you're facing a real test of your faith. And honestly, you're not sure which way you'll go. 
because you're standing at the fork of the road, in the road. And one way, you know it's where God wants you to go. You know it's the path that he wants you to go down, but it looks dangerous. It looks hard. The other path looks easy. It's flat. It's simple. You see where it leads, and your feet, you feel like you're in mud. You're stuck. You don't know which way you're going to go. Go back to the Garden of Eden for a minute. Here's Adam. Eve will be there soon. And God's saying, listen, I want you to trust me. I want you to obey me. You were made to do that very thing. And I know it's hard, but here's the good news. He goes, you're not alone. I'm right here with you. I'm there to help you. I'm there to encourage you. I'm there to protect you. I'm there to walk with you. If you right now are facing a test of your faith, whatever it is, look back on this story and know that it's true in your life today, that you are not alone, that Jesus walks with you and every step of faith that you will take, he will be right there with you. For those of you that are facing a test of your faith right now, he's there with you. And the test only has one question, that's it. Will you trust him? Will you trust God? Let me pray for you. God, there are people listening today, watching today, joining us online here present in the center. There are people in the chapel who right now are facing a test of their faith. And it's overwhelming. And they're exhausted. And they stand at a fork in the road. And they don't know what they're going to do. And maybe they even know what direction you want them to go. But it seems hard. God, right now, by the power of your spirit, at the sound of my voice, remind them that they're not alone that you walk with them, that this church family stands with them and will journey with them. God, you don't test us because you're mean or you're big or you're scary or you want to trick us or trip us up. You test us because you're good and you want us to grow and you want our faith to deepen and you want us to know you and experience you even more right now. God, help us to know that it was true what Jesus says. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. God, today, for those of us facing a test, we run to you right now. Lord, give us rest. Give us peace. Go with us and help us today to trust you, to know you're good, and to follow you. It's through Christ I pray. Amen.